It is power to the pod. Everything you want to talk about, your questions, your topics, your hot takes, you name it, all in one place. Let's get after it here. Another episode of the People's Edition of the podcast every week. Power to the pod. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. Today is Thursday, May 26, 2022, and I want to thank each and every one of you for starting your day with Locked on Dolphins, making it your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Uh, we got everything you want to talk about today is dialed into the show. It's power to the pot, which means I'm just steering the ship. Lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at DraftNetwork.com. Your host here on Locked On Dolphins, the captain today. Not of the USS Miami Dolphins make the playoffs. No, no. Uh, that's uh, That ship's still in the port. We'll get closer to that as the season gets ready to kick off. But instead, your captain here for anything and everything that's on the minds of Dolphins fans and specifically Locked On Dolphins listeners. So... We got a slew of podcast review questions that have been submitted. Uh, I know I did get a couple of DMs uh, as well throughout the course of this week. So we're going to jump right in and we're going to start with Zemlicka for Taylor, who I know uh, ha has been a longtime listener of the show. Five-star review, five stars. As a draft guy, which rookie are you most excited to see Miami play against this season? My guess, knowing you, would be Kyle Hamilton and the Baltimore Ravens in Week 2. So here's the thing. I am not looking forward to watching the Dolphins play against Kyle Hamilton because I think Kyle Hamilton's a stud. So yes, I think Hamilton is going to thrive in the Baltimore Ravens defense, but that makes me less enthusiastic uh, to watch him play against Miami, uh, given I, I think he will hit the ground running and have himself a very impactful rookie season. Uh, so from a Kyle Krabs personal like draft brand perspective, yes, that is a, a perfectly good answer. But from a hmm, from a player, I think Miami can match well against but was also a player that I liked. I know James Cook and, and the Buffalo Bills offensive backfield is, is going to be a problem for Miami to account for, as you would usually expect to be the case. I might go, I might go with Cole Strange and the New England Patriots because I have been pretty adamant this offseason that the Patriots process is no longer good. Uh, that Bill Belichick's um, tenure as the GM, head coach, defensive coordinator, and now also uh, potentially offensive coordinator, whether it ends up being him or Matt Patricia or Joe Judge, their process, I think you've seen it, is slow burn deterioration. And they tried to stem the tide last year with how much they spent in free agency. They didn't have that luxury this year. And I'm really interested to see how Cole Strange plays. And I like Cole Strange, but I'm really interested to see how Cole Strange performs early on because that was the hallmark player of your draft class. 
And if the Dolphins in week one can really dictate terms against the Patriots in their entirety, you know, Cole Strange would be encapsulated in that. And that's a matchup I think Miami can be advantageous against. And because of that, that would be a rookie matchup, specifically because of the dynamics on what's going on in New England that I'm excited to see play itself out. Uh, UK longtime Dolphin with our next question. It is a listener from the UK, obviously. Daily listener from the UK. Truly great show every day. Supported the Dolphins since the Mud Bowl in 82. On your Tuesday podcast, you mentioned Leo Chennault as a system linebacker. This was last week on Tuesday. Uh, this podcast review was left uh, about a week ago. Wondered if you thought he would be a good fit for the Dolphins system. You had Chanel ranked higher than Channing Tindall at TDN, and he seems on face value to be a different kind of linebacker to complement Jerome Baker and replace Elena Roberts. Would really appreciate your thoughts. Thanks, David. Thank you, David. Thanks for listening. I think the differentiation for me between Chanel and Tyndall was the ceiling versus the floor. Uh, Leo Chanel, one of the best blitzing linebackers in this year's class. All the Georgia kids also qualified uh, for that subcategory of, of player. Uh, Tyndall is a much more dynamic athlete, but I do think Chanel is more polished. Uh, and I think his consistency in his reads and his fundamentals from the launch point is a little higher. Now you got to remember Tyndall in 2020 played like 170 snaps on defense. This was the first year he really played significant reps, but that said, I don't think he's a pure developmental player. So Miami swung the bat on a player who I would agree with them has a higher ceiling relative to the higher floor that you probably get immediately with, with Leo Chanel. Uh, so the role that I vision for Leo Chanel mirrors what I envisioned for Channing Tyndall on the early reps, but from a third down perspective, athletically, you can do more with Channing Tyndall than what you can with Leo Chanel. And I understand Leo Chanel, you'll look at the pro day numbers and you'll see that, that, that he's a really high level tester in just about every measure uh, for athletic profile like his shuttles blew me away i didn't expect him to be that agile but i didn't expect him to be that agile because on tape it's not there and it is there for tyndall so i think that's the separation for me uh, i think they would both have been fits in this system i just think you're you're drafting a player with a greater palette of three down value in channing tyndall as compared to uh, drafting Leo Chanel, who I think on third downs, you have to blitz or he. There's a little bit of Raekwon McMillan in, in that third down profile, in my opinion. And, and McMillan was another guy whose testing oddly did not match his, his functional athleticism on tape. Greg Nasty 15 with our next question here. Been listening to the show for over a year. Loved every second. Thank you for listening and following along. Any concern for the depth at premium positions, corner specifically? The two deep looks good on paper, looks great on paper. But we are one injury away from Noah or Nick having to play significant time, which could be concerning. I graduated from Auburn, so I may be the only Noah fan of this fan base and still believe he has the tools with proper coaching to be a solid starter. 
What do you see the contingency plan is if Byron or X goes down? And of course, we are all praying the starters on the O line stay healthy for the entire season. I think the Dolphins' defense is constructed in a way that you have enough versatility. And this goes back to what we talked about yesterday with different positions, but like it being a more you can do league. Um, if you if you incur an injury on the outside, um, yes, it's probably going to change your coverage shells a little bit. You know, you're probably not going to run as much pure man to man. You can run man to man with Noah or Nick out there in that spot but you're probably going to have to shade the safety to that side and really put a lot of pressure and stress on the corner on the other side of the field. But this, I mean, that's Greg, I, I agree with you that ideally you'd like a more proven third outside corner. Nick has been at his best traditionally inside as whether it's a nickel player or a safety player as compared to playing on the perimeter. Noah, didn't really get a lot of looks last year at all. Had the small sample size as a rookie. But that's that's the game, right? That's football. And it's it's you can't have it all. And for the dollar amounts that you're paying the top two guys, you haven't really left yourself a lot of wiggle room to to have the financial ability to have that peace of mind. You're going to bank on a lot from these guys. And then you're going to bank on a lot from Noig Benogany as a former first round pick to step up if, if his number's called. And I think Nick would be okay, but I do still think you have to be selective with what matchups you're giving Nick. Um, and, and you have to be a little bit more deliberate to shadow and mirror the number one receiver with whoever of X or Byron is still healthy in a proverbial situation in which you have an injury on your hands. Um, so yeah, a little bit of concern. But that's the game. Also concerning is uh, some of you have not had Built Bar in your life to this point in time. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They have 100% chocolate on all of their bars. They're absolutely positively delicious. Right now, you can visit Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and save 15% off your next order. That is Built.com, promo code LOCKED15. To save 15% of your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. Point blank, period. JT, next question. A little little dynasty fantasy football question. Okay, so maybe not, maybe not a true Dolphins question, but this is, to be fair, the listener show. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you my thoughts. Appreciate the enthusiasm you bring every day. Bring me deeper into football. I'm in a dynasty league and drafted some rookies. Would love to know your thoughts on them now that we know what teams they are. And keep in mind, I went a long time between my first and second round pick. Kenneth Walker, running back Seattle. Brian Robinson, running back Washington. Jelani Woods, tight end Indianapolis. Thanks as always. Uh, I think your long-term play with Kenneth Walker and Brian Robinson are good ones. Uh, Seattle has... Rashad Penny and Chris Carson coming off the books after this season. So those are a couple potential free agent running backs set to hit the market. Walker being a second round pick, they very clearly have a vision for him and they don't have quarterback. So uh, yeah, he's probably gonna get a lot of volume. Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, 
took a step back. Has always been a little bit more of a tweener player, and you you want to move around. Robinson is a pure hammer. Washington has for forever loved Alabama kids, and they have for forever loved hammers in the backfield. I think he has a chance to to really stick. Uh, but you do have to figure out they have to figure out that Antonio Gibson roadblock. And Jelani Woods, uh, I like his three year projection more than his one year projection. Uh, obviously he came from Oklahoma state transferred to Virginia played tight end after playing kind of like a fullback H type role. Um, and he's another player like the Leo Chanel Channing Tindall conversation we had earlier that I, I don't think his functional athleticism necessarily matches his timed athleticism. He ran a four, six, but he's got a lot of promise. He's going to be a problem for the dolphins. D Leon and shout out to Eric. Uh, for a five-star review with no question. Appreciate you. Uh, D. Leon, name three post-Dan Marino era offensive players not named Ricky Williams or Ronnie Brown you think could start on today's roster. Offensive players. Oh, boy. Okay, so the first place my mind goes is to offensive tackle. That right tackle spot. Vernon Carey, young Vernon Carey. I'm going to give a spot at right tackle. Um, do we want to put Laramie Tunsil in it and acknowledge him as he played left guard his rookie season, put him at left guard and put Connor Williams at center? I mean... That's an easy out if I need it, is is to also acknowledge Laramie Tunsil. I think Jarvis Landry could, not today's Jarvis Landry. Let's be completely honest. Today's Jarvis Jarvis Landry is off the free agent market anyway, so it's kind of a moot point. But... um, I don't think Jay Ajayi is a scheme fit for this system, so I'm not going to acknowledge Jay Ajayi. We already mentioned no Ronnie, no Ricky, as dictated by D. Leon. Is this Danny? Danny racking my brain today. Um, Brandon Marshall could start. I mean, if you want to go through wide receiver sets and, and bump Cedric Wilson out and push Jalen Waddle into the slot more on a more permanent fixture basis and have Brandon Marshall be here. He could be the big physical guy who as uh, is presumably going to take some of those reps and compete with Preston Williams and uh, be really physical at the point of attack and be really physical at the line of scrimmage against press coverage. So Brandon Marshall, Laramie Tunsil and Vernon Carey are three names that comes to mind pretty quickly. I'm trying to think if there's a running back that's, that's not Ronnie or Ricky that I would want here. Maybe, maybe Lamar Miller. Probably not. I think Lamar would still be in a better situation as a platoon player. Reggie Bush. I think Reggie was really underrated for his time here in Miami. He was productive both seasons. Uh, Durability is obviously a question, but Chase Edmonds hasn't been a featured player before Reggie Bush, you at least knew had featured player potential in him and was a featured player for the Dolphins. So 
I gave you four. Two offensive linemen, one on a technicality with, with Tunsil being at left guard uh, and then kicking Connor Williams inside the center, which I don't love, but that's why I'm glad I got four so that the technicality isn't the only way that I sneak through this question. Eddie with a five-star review. Kyle, love the podcast. Uh, do you think Adam Butler is still a part of the best possible four for the Rust Package D? Post-draft free agency has some talent when it comes to veterans. Um, so th this kind of mirrors the, the, que the, the question that was asked earlier this week in regards to Adam Butler, the salary cap that he has. Would you rather take that and repurpose it for um, Akeem Hicks or somebody else? And, and as I said on the show earlier this week, and this, this review was left, I think the day I did that show. So it was probably like left before I posted that show. Yes, I think there's some upgrade opportunities there. Adam Butler's appeal is, of course, that the, the familiarity with the system and the verbiage and the vocabulary and all the different spots, right? Because they don't teach you to be the nose tackle or the strong side defensive end. And there's so rush some package stuff. A lot of it is you've got various personnel groupings. And guys are different nails on the chalk or different X's on the chalkboard, right? So that that way you can run the same stunt and pressure concepts and simulated pressure concepts um, from different defensive personnel groupings. So his familiarity from that perspective lets him do a lot. Um, would I like to see Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer get more of those reps? Yes. Yes, I would. But having a defined sub package defensive tackle to rush the passer is not necessarily a bad thing. I do think there are upgrade opportunities available. And as Eddie points out, um, he played a lot of snaps last, like he probably played more snaps than he ideally would have for the dolphins last year. So yeah, to be determined, uh, I wouldn't be married to him guaranteeing and locking himself into a roster spot at this point in time. Uh, ben, five-star review in the spirit of OTAs. Here's the question. It may seem to some that our team is still defensive-sided despite all the offseason acquisitions to better the offense. That being our said, if our offense and defense did a best three of five scrimmage, full out, full contact, who wins the majority of the drives? And what specific matchups do you like to see? Bonus hypothetical question, who would be the MVP? So three series. Uh, first thing I need to know is where are we starting on the field? Are we doing full game situation and starting on your own 25? Are you starting in the high red zone at the 18-yard line and you have to score a touchdown? What's the game situation? Are we down two with a minute and a half left and no, no points? So or no timeouts. So I think there's a couple different ways that you could define this, but I like the red zone work. I think the red zone work, um, gives Miami's offense a couple different opportunities to attack the defense. Um, specifically with Gusecki's height and size, the shiftiness and change of direction skills of both Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. 
and those guys are presumably commanding one-on-one matchups against six foot corners and in Xavier Howard and, and Byron Jones, who are really good athletes themselves, but not to the level and degree and twitch of, of Hill and Waddle. So I think that's a couple really fascinating dynamics from the, um, from the perimeter standpoint in the passing game. And I think in the run game, you've got some really great opportunities to press the edge. Uh, but Miami, I think, does have speed with Phillips on the edge, Van Ginkle on the edge, Tyndall and Jerome Baker stacked behind him, like a lot of speed. So it's a lot of, becomes the chess match game. I think the Dolphins offenses, offense and defense are well constructed to challenge one another uh, in a multitude of ways. Who I who would I think win? I'm going to give it to the defense until the offense shows it in a real-life setting. And maybe that's an easy out. But we've seen the clips from OTAs. We haven't seen them put the pads on yet. Uh, I think there's... The, the defense has my trust a little bit more than the offense because we just haven't seen the offense yet. So I will go with the defensive side of the football to take those three of five. And if you're going with a defensive MVP, I'm probably going to go Javon Holland, playmaker. John, last question from the podcast reviews. Great show. We make every morning awesome. What route combinations are you most excited for with Waddle, Hill, and Gasecki. What route combinations? I think you can really run. You First of all, you can run a lot with this group. I think if you're going to put those guys in a bunch on the same side, I think a drive concept is a really exciting opportunity to high-low second-level defenders. Uh, I, I'm probably going to have either Hill or Waddle run the vertical concept out of that as the alert, where if you get a certain kind of coverage or if you like your matchup or if you're, you're drawing the safety, you can throw the alert, whether that's a corner or a go route. Um, I want the other speedster running the, the shallow cross, and I want Gusecki running the drive route that pushes to, to 10 yards or so of depth and then breaks across the middle of the field so that Tua can get those throws up over top of linebackers and hit Gasecki with his catch radius. But because of the speed of the vertical route, the safety to that side should be lifted, right? So you only really, once Gasecki gets behind the linebackers, you really only have to be worried about the backside safety on the progression, right? Because you've got your alert, and then you've got the shallow cross. You're reading shallow cross to drive concept. And if you've got a 4-3 guy running shallow across the middle of the field and against man coverage coming out of a bunch with somebody trying to run with him, good luck. God bless. And uh, if, they, if they zone it up and that safety lifts because you're running the vertical route underneath of it, uh, you just got to watch that that front side safety or that technically the backside safety isn't rolling down to play robber coverage in which case he's cutting that drive route, uh, and then you'd have to work to the check down. Um, but you can get that throw up over linebackers, and Mike, with his catch radius behind those guys, is going to catch it. So I think that's that's one concept, the drive concept, that I, I really am excited to think about 
those three guys on the same side of the field working simultaneously, um, running routes and how they complement each other. So I, I hope that answered your question. Um, but I, I love when you guys bring those types of questions into the fray because it's really fun for me to, to think critically about how these concepts are designed to work and how the skill sets are going to allow it to happen. I did want to make one acknowledgement, one shout out. Sorry, I was looking forward to hearing my phone here as we're getting ready to sign off. Uh, one shout out to the Dolphins fan who I've had a lot of interactions with, and I'm very excited for him. Um, William, William Olive, this morning just, just shared, uh, he's from Australia, and he's going to be flying to Miami uh, for the Vikings and Steelers home games in that 11-day stretch. Uh, so that is really exciting for William, and I think it's really cool that the Dolphins fan base is so well-represented internationally. I know there's always a debate about surrendering home games to go play overseas and whatnot, but uh, guys like William um, have been really fun for me to interact with. He is the self-described Australian leader of Tuanon uh, from Sydney, Australia, booked his trip. He's coming to Miami. Uh, William, congratulations on the trip to Miami, and I hope to see him because I'll be in town for both of those games as well. So uh, Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins. It's in the books. Thanks for checking it out. Fins up. Make it a great Thursday. Talk with you guys again tomorrow. We got one more show this week. Enjoy yourselves, and I'll talk to you on Friday.